0: Next on Making Sense of the Madness, a U.S. Army doctor and whistleblower shares his story of being targeted for sharing the truth about the jab. And a former FBI special agent speaks out about the weaponization of the law enforcement agency. We're going to question the mainstream narrative and expose media propaganda, but first an AMP alert from Joshua Reed.
1: This is Josh Reeve, your Daily Amp Alert, keeping you updated, notified, and up to speed on the state of our nation leading up to the November primaries. Stocks on Friday have plummeted. This comes about through worries that the Federal Reserve next week is going to increase rates higher than any rate increase in the last 40 years. FedEx stock crashed after their CEO took to Jim Cramer's show and said that most likely a financial recession globally is in place. Imports to Los Angeles, as reported from last month's numbers, are down 17% in August. This is a global supply chain crisis that is only going to get worse. We are seeing right now a surplus of imports and exports throughout the world that are coming about from the post-COVID environment. But that will only last for so long. Eventually, what's going to happen is those exports are going to run out. Our supply chain is completely depleted, droughts all over the world, and we're heading towards a famine and a global economic collapse. Get prepared and get ready for what comes next. Keep watching for more of your AMP daily alerts. I'm Josh Reed.
2: Under your watch, Mr. President,
3: because there are three countries that are never have there are fewer
4: fewer immigrants coming from Central America and from Mexico. This is a totally different circumstance. What's on my watch now is Venezuela,
5: Cuba, and Nicaragua, and the ability to.
0: I think this is one of those times when Crazy Old Man Biden says something that doesn't make sense, and then his administration just walks back his statement. Makes you wonder who the real boss really is. Well, in Leicester, England, tensions are rising between Hindu and Muslim communities there. Let's take a look. <laughs>
5: exactly what's happening <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but you've got do on the other side <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
6: Is it? Yeah. You're not here with the thing. Yeah. You know how we sh- them.
3: <laughs> Cowards. Come Restrict!
7: Restrict! 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 Cowards. Cowards. Here are the Hindus Again. Okay, Provoking us. Provoking us. Oh, God. Breaking the peace.
3: back. back.
0: Well, candidate for governor of Pennsylvania, Doug Mastriano, dropped a truth bomb about abortion in a recent interview. Our new MAGA candidates are brave and bold. Check this out.
3: Why do you think that people like
2: Shapiro and, I mean, Fetterman said that he, he wouldn't name a single abortion restriction? Why won't they?
8: They're so beholden to this radical... Vision of America by uh, Margaret Sanger, she wanted to use, Sanger wanted to use abortion as eugenics to remove Italians, African-Americans, Latinos, anyone who didn't look like her. And uh, that's somebody celebrated by Joe Biden, somebody celebrated in, in uh, you and know, honored by my opponent Shapiro, somebody that Hillary Clinton considered a mentor, I mean, are you kidding me? Somebody, and let me lay it out for you. So my opponent supports abortion as it is right now in Pennsylvania. About 70% of the abortion clinics are in minority neighborhoods. Now the African American and the uh, Latino population make up less than 20% of our state population, about 18%. But what's not talked about, this eugenics, it's about half of our abortions, over half of our abortions in Pennsylvania are coming from that small part of our population. Uh, Under mass strand we're gonna defend life because life matters. The last thought here is Hillary Clinton is reputed to have asked um, Mother Teresa, why there hasn't been, you know, a female president yet in America. And uh, I think uh, Hillary Clinton was hoping that Mother Teresa would say, oh, it's going to be you. But no, Mother Teresa, brilliant lady, a lover and defender life, said you probably aborted her already.
0: Shocking statements, but we need to hear the truth. Well, a Chinese company will be experimenting on monkeys at a massive complex in Florida soon. Why do we allow our state enemies to do dangerous experimentation on animals within our borders? Check out the video to see for yourself. According to Spotlight on Levy County Government, a Beijing-based company has purchased a vast parcel of farmland in Levy County, Florida, and converted it into a quarantine site for primates. The Chinese firm, drug developer JOINN Laboratories, bought 1,400 acres of agricultural land from Levy-based LNT Cattle for 5.5 million dollars. JOINN imports laboratory animals such as monkeys and apes. The company intends to use the location to quarantine them for a period of time. Well, every time Ron DeSantis talks about border policy, he shuts down his detractors with facts. Check out what he had to say in a recent interview.
9: Oh, when Biden is flying these people all over the fruited plain in the middle of the night, I didn't hear a peep out of those people, okay? I didn't hear a peep. heard a peep about all the people that have been told by Biden you can just come in and they're going, they're being abused by the cartels, they're drowning in the Rio Grande. You had 50 that died in some shed in Texas. I heard no outrage about any of that. Uh, I haven't heard outrage about all the fentanyl that's come across the border that's killing Americans in record numbers. I I don't hear outrage about the criminal aliens that have gotten through and have then victimized people not only in Florida, but all throughout the country. I do not hear any outrage about that. The only thing I hear them getting upset about is you have 50 that end up in Martha's Vineyard. Then they get really upset.
0: Well, Governor Ron DeSantis just released another video about a sad consequence of illegal immigration. Let's watch.
2: When our middle son, Brandon, left to go to work. He was only 21 years old. And the last words I said to him is, I love you. And a twice-deported illegal ran into him and hit him so hard that he caused Brandon's car to flip. And he killed him. My child's killed by someone who should not have been here. This is what happens when we have open borders. We were able to go and meet with Governor DeSantis. He said, I want to hear your son's story and to see the compassion in his eyes. And I saw the concern. He wanted to make sure other lives were protected. And as a governor, he truly has been upholding the oath that he took, which is to protect Floridians. He not only talks a good talk, but he walks it. He's been very strong on safety. He's been very strong on law and order. He has made our state one of the safest states to be in. There's no greater leader than Governor DeSantis because he didn't just listen. He put Aisha behind her.
0: Well, it looks like Roseanne Barr has not been completely canceled. Fox is bringing her back on TV. Perhaps America will once again get to see a family on TV who actually shares their values. Well, Don Lemon got a history lesson when he brought up reparations to a British guest on his program. This is Priceless. Let's watch.
5: Well, this is coming when, you know, there's all of this wealth and you hear about it comes as England is facing rising costs of living, a living crisis, austerity budget cuts, and so on. And then you have those who are asking uh, for reparations for colonialism, and they're wondering, you know, $100 billion, $24 billion here and there, $500 million there. Some people want to be paid back, and uh, and members of the public are wondering, why are we suffering when you are...
6: 2,000 naval men died on the high seas trying to stop slavery. Why? Because the African kings were rounding up their own people. They had them on cages waiting in the beaches. No one was running into Africa to get them. And I think you're totally right. If reparations need to be paid, we need to go right back to the beginning of that supply chain and say, who was rounding up their own people and having them handcuffed in cages? Absolutely. That's where... They should start and maybe i don't know the descendants of those families where they died at the, in the high seas trying to stop the slavery that those families should receive something too i think at the same time
5: it's an interesting discussion hillary thank you very much i appreciate it we'll continue to, to discuss in the future so remember the impact of
0: the i don't think don lemon was expecting that response Well, that is it for today's breaking news headlines. Next, a brave Army major and doctor shares his story of blowing the whistle on the dangers of the vax as soon as
10: we get back.
8: Government-induced inflation, taxes, rising interest rates, political instability. All of these can have a crushing effect on our investments, often causing the stock market to go down. But they can also cause gold and silver to go up. Hi, this is
7: Dr. Kirk Elliott. Buy gold, buy silver, buy now, but buyer beware. Precious metals companies are not created equal. As a PhD economist, I have been in the financial, economic, and precious metals business for three decades. The philosophy of my firm is people over profit. I encourage you to read my bio to learn more about me at KirkElliottPhD.com.
8: Now is the time to own physical metals in an IRA, 401k, and outside of a retirement plan. Don't let the government destroy your hard-earned assets any longer. Call 720-605-3900 or visit KirkElliottPhD.com.
0: Samuel Sigaloff is a board-certified family medicine physician and major in the U.S. Army. Sam, thanks for joining us. Can you start at the beginning when the VACs rolled out and you felt your conscience telling you to do things differently from your colleagues?
11: Well, Sean, thank you for having having me on. I first want to start with saying that any view that I express is solely my own. It does not express the view of the Department of the Army, the DOD, nor the government. Uh, Thank you. Uh, So back when the the whole covid issue started and there was the lockdowns back in march of 2020 i volunteered to go out into our covid clinic and being out there for about a, a month and a half we did not have any positive testing and we had pcr testing early on because of our mission set in alaska then fast forward and i remember the cdc issued um some of the ingredient list of pfizer and moderna and i remember looking at the ingredient list and going i wonder what that chemical is because there's a chemical in each one that I had never heard of before. And so I did an internet search. I found the material safety dates and it said on the material safety data sheets or the SDS, you know, if you work at a, at a, um, actually most, uh, work, you'll have to have a large yellow, uh, book. A lot of it is digital. Uh, that says the, uh, It says every chemical that you work with and and the safety and the danger and, and how to work with those chemicals. Well, these SDS for these chemicals that are in these shots say that they're not validated for human use and they should not be used. And all safety measures rely on the end user.
0: That was probably pretty shocking when you saw that.
11: And so right off the bat, I started telling my patients, look, you can have this if you would like. If you're an adult, if you're not a child, if you're not pregnant, you're not breastfeeding, I think it might be okay if you take it. You hand these data sheets say that they're not validated for human use.
0: So you're just giving people information to make their own choice, but that's not what your colleagues were doing. So that got you into a bit of hot water, didn't it?
11: It sure did. Now we fast forward till about July of 21. I did a permanent change of station from Alaska to Fort Huachuca, Arizona, where I was uh, picked to be the medical director. And as the medical director, any medical issues, you know, the number one physician, there was, there was, my boss was the only other physician more senior than me. And any sort of issues that people have, they, they bring those issues to me. So all the other doctors, nurses, um, nurse practitioners, PAs, they would bring them those issues to me. And there was many requests from service members for medical exemptions to the covid shot and the reason is around the time when there was lots of discussion about the secretary of defense debating if he will mandate this injection
0: all right so you were in alaska you became the medical director there in the facility in arizona and uh so (laughs) tell me exactly what happened that you were basically forced forced out of the position weren't you
11: Yes, sir. So I I began issuing exemptions to soldiers as my thoughts were this may not be safe for many soldiers because of the safety data sheet saying that it's not validated for human use. In fact, one of the chemicals used in it specifically said not for human use and not for veterinary use. But yet it's being mandated in soldiers. And so I had a number of these exemptions. And on September I was called into my boss's office and told that I must contact every patient and tell them that these medical exemptions are invalid. And that order was coming from my hospital commander, or clinic commander, who is a registered nurse, not a physician, not able to make medical decisions for individual patients. So then what did you do? Well, I I did what I was ordered as I felt that was a legal order at the time. And then the very next day, the hospital commander outlawed Ivermectin to be uh, prescribed for off label use while it was still a TRICARE covered benefit. So
0: that probably didn't sit well with you. What were you thinking at the time would be your next course of action?
11: was to continue prescribing it uh, at IVM, we now know that it is a life saving medication. And Congress had decided that it is still a paid for product at that point in time. But the very next business day, September 13th, I was suspended from all clinical practice, and I have been suspended and haven't seen a patient since.
0: But that doesn't mean that you've stopped uh, trying to make an impact here. You actually came forward to Senator Ron Johnson and testified. Uh, Can you tell me about what happened after that?
11: So immediately following that, I was able to get on the phone with Dale Saran, He's a lawyer who was very influential in uh, Doe vs. Rumsfeld. That was the anthrax case. And we spoke. He liked my medical exemption. And that medical exemption became an affidavit in the Robert V. Austin case, which is a prior immunity, saying that, well, if you can prove you have immunity, then the Army doesn't need to vaccinate you for whatever disease. And then we flash forward a little bit more. I became a named plaintiff in Coker v. Austin, where I outline. The shadow that's protecting the leaders and punishing the doctors. And then lastly, um, I was able to make um, a statement that I gave to uh, Senator Ron Johnson, saying my concern with the Defense Military Epidemiologic Database. And I made that statement along with Dr. Pete Chambers, now retired lieutenant colonel, and Dr. Teresa Long, lieutenant colonel.
0: So you risked your career here, and uh, can you tell me when you made that decision to put it all on the line?
11: And why? Back when I first, when I first saw that CDC list of all the medications or all the ingredients that are in these two shots, is when I decided that I must speak the truth. I need to be able to look in the mirror. I need to be able to look in my kids' face faces and tell them I gave the truth as I could at the time, and I warned people that we don't know what this will do in the future. I warned people that it could cause problems if you get it in pregnancy. It could cause problems if you're breastfeeding. We don't know what the long-term outcome of this will be. And unfortunately, many of those concerns were correct.
0: So now recently, you've been identified as a subject of a threat working group.
11: What does that mean? So a threat working group is a group of people that work for the government, typically counterintelligence, known as CI. Counterintelligence typically investigate terrorists or insider threats. About a month ago, I received an email saying that we're having a a threat working group tomorrow. This is the subject of that threat working group, and it was my name with my DOD identification number and my date of birth
0: what did you think when you saw that well,
11: I first saved it sent it to all of my lawyers as a pdf and then the very next day i called the man who sent the email and i said hey sir this is sam sigloff who is it oh major sigloff the the subject of today's threat working group oh um um uh click and then didn't answer when i called back <laughs>
0: well you, you've certainly chosen a side here and you're speaking out now you have a podcast uh, tell me where you see this going because uh, it could go in, in a couple different directions here and uh, are you are you worried about your career are you worried about your, your military life are you worried about your, your medical license uh, or do you feel like there's a groundswell of support and, and this could ultimately vindicate you
11: well, I think the important thing is, first of all, I was upholding both of my oaths that I have taken, first to the Constitution, and then to do no harm, and everything I've done has been legal. Secondly, the Commander-in-Chief recently said that the pandemic is over. So everyone should be wondering, if the pandemic is over, as declared by our leader, which I think is a wonderful declaration, why is this continuing? Is this about something else? Is this really about having people bend the knee and submit when it's an illegal order to tell servicemen to take anything that's under the EUA, Emergency Use Authorization designation?
0: Well, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to dig deeper into the truth of all this as soon as we get back.
10: Inflation is out of control. The price of gasoline has doubled in a very short time and interest rates are set to rise. How do you protect and grow your portfolio to make sure that you do not outlive your assets? Invest in annuities that have rate lock. Rate lock is an innovative new feature that allows you to lock in your rate of return at any time during the year to lock in these volatile upswings of the market. And unlike CDs and money market accounts, they accumulate tax deferred and can participate in the upside of market indexes. And they're probate free and they can provide an income that you can't outlive. With all the different companies, features, indexes, and benefits which annuities offer, it can be confusing to choose which annuity is best for your unique situation. Let a company you can trust help you select a rate lock annuity that's right for you. Add an annuity to your retirement portfolio and start enjoying the many benefits that smart investors love. Call the Cleveland Insurance Group at 844-USA-2024. That's the Cleveland Insurance Group at 844-USA-2024. The Cleveland Insurance Group, 844-USA-2024. We're
0: talking to Dr. Sam Sigaloff, and you were the medical director of a facility there in Arizona. That must have been a pretty good gig, and uh, you're not collecting a paycheck there anymore. So what are you doing with your time, and how are you supporting your family?
11: Well, let me just correct that just a little bit. I am still receiving a paycheck, um, they did just notify me a few days ago that they want to remove my specialty pay for being a physician. That's, that's the pay that they give to kind of bridge that gap between a physician on the civilian side and the military side. Uh, and they're trying to take that away from me. Um, a question okay. that she would asked me earlier was, am I concerned about my license? I am very concerned about my license. They have investigated me. They said I'm giving misleading information. The misleading information was everything I discussed with you earlier, straight from the manufacturer's websites.
0: Right. Uh, sorry that I was confused about you. You were removed as the director. You're not making any uh, any management and medical decisions there anymore, so they're keeping you on. But do you know what the future of your career is, or is it uh, very murky right now?
11: My plan is to get out, because the military can only hurt me more. But as I get out, I want to continue to do my best to help soldiers, service members who feel pressured to get this, to, to feel brave, to, to help them make, to be more courageous so that they don't feel they must get this. Because it is in legal order to tell any service member to get this.
0: And how, how do you plan on doing that?
11: Well, I've started a podcast, as you mentioned earlier. And if, if the listener or the viewer wants to go check that out, it's called After Hours with Dr. Sigloff. It's on iTunes, Spotify. It's on Rumble. And I've got some very groundbreaking news there. I show, I, I play an audio clip of a man who called Pfizer asking where a specific lot number went to. And this is the lot number that's been provided, came from Fort Detrick. It went to many uh, US Coast Guard stations. And this lot number, per the Pfizer representative, she states that this is made in France. There are no FDA approved locations to manufacture this in France. Meaning this is medical fraud.
0: It seems like with the ingredient lists and the, you know, the sources and origins of these lots, I mean, you just can't get a straight answer about anything, which makes you wonder if someone can really have informed consent. So thank you for being brave enough to blow the whistle on this and to risk your career and your license and and to speak out. And I think you're right. It is about courage. And uh, certainly that should be the basis of people who want to serve in the military is courage. So they're basically purging people who are courageous and leaving the people there who who, who in some ways aren't. Uh, So that's not healthy for our military. Thank you, Dr. Sam Sigalov, for joining us today. I really appreciate your time. And everyone check out his new podcast on the platforms he mentioned. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk to a former FBI special agent as soon as we get back.
7: Hello, this is John Michael Chambers, Private Health, Public Matters, Dancing with Death. As some of you may be aware, I fell hard due to the results of the biological weapon come to be known as COVID-19. I am a COVID long hauler and a recipient of the transmitting of or shedding of the spike proteins and graphene oxide from those that were vaxxed. This has been a long journey for me And with the suppressed and broadly unknown technologies, I have discovered that I am still, to this day, dancing with death. In this series, I will go over detection, treatment, and the restoring of good health. I will reveal my personal medical information and findings along with Chris Edelkamp and various medical professionals. Why? Because I believe there may be millions of people who can benefit from my experience of which I through these suppressed technologies have discovered that I am far from out of the woods. In fact, I am dancing with death as I speak. I can assure you, this series each Wednesday beginning September 28th with James Grunvig on Unrestricted Truths is a must-view series. It's really a public service at the expense of revealing my private health in great detail. I thought I'd better get this out to the people while I can. Please do join me beginning Wednesday, September 28th on Unrestricted Treats at 8 p.m. Eastern with James Grunvig on American Media Periscope. Follow us at ampnews.us. I thank you for supporting and sharing our programming. Although the casualties of our war are many, we are at a tipping point and we are in fact winning. Know this, victory is ours. I wanna thank you all so very much and God bless you.
0: Well, Terry Turchi was the deputy assistant director of the FBI's counterterrorism division, and he's now retired. Terry, thanks for joining us. And in your opinion, when did the FBI start to really become politicized?
4: Well, Sean, first of all, uh, let me say this. Thank you for having me. And also, we should all be extremely proud of and uh, just supportive in every way of Dr. Sigalov and people like him. And I hope in the coming months that we see a lot more people like that come forward. The FBI is uh, still called the FBI, but uh, it really isn't the same organization. And the transformation of the FBI, in my opinion, while it might have begun a couple decades ago, really... accelerated when Robert Mueller took over as the director of the FBI and made it very clear that he was going to transform the FBI into a national intelligence agency. Now, that's not my opinion, and it's not just the opinion of former uh, FBI agents. That's in writing. In fact, the FBI joined in with the academic community, and there's about a 50-page paper from uh, several experts at Harvard where they were given massive uh, access to high-level FBI officials back when Mueller uh, embarked upon this path. Now, why is this important, and why is it so dramatically different? Well, the FBI was always the premier, uh, probably at least I would say in the world, uh, investigative agency ever, ever to come along and and come down the road, even though it had some troubled history of its own back in the 1920s. And uh, the, the FBI's basis of actually coming out of that and becoming literally one of our legendary institutions was its idea that that could only happen if it secured the trust of the American population. And so in its criminal violations and criminal jurisdiction, it made very clear, we need your help. We need to go out and conquer crime together. In its counterintelligence operations, the same thing. It, it was really the only agency and the only stalwart that stood up for decades and led the fight against communism. Think about back in the days of J. Edgar Hoover, and I, I'm not running away from Hoover at all. I think he did an awful lot of good for America. And in fact, he was the primary voice in stopping during the 50s and the 60s and 70s and 80s and until he passed away. Uh, actually, I, I went a little beyond there. He passed away in the 1970s. But Hoover uh, was a voice in defending the country against communism and in helping us understand the uh, terrible insidious nature of the communist threat. He died and over the years, the FBI and the country itself literally disarmed itself in the fight against communism. And today we have an entire generation of people who do not even understand when they hear things like open borders and racist police and America's an oppressive and awful country that tolerated and and in fact uh, furthered slavery. All of those arguments, all of those talking points, come straight from the the manifestos and the training seminars of the KGB first, and now its successors in the in the country of Russia. Uh, These are, these are old talking points, but these are the way they recruit people and these are the way they brainwash people. And now we have this wrapped in kind of a different cloth. We have it wrapped in the cloth of CRT, critical race theory. We have it wrapped in the cloth of woke and we have it spread now as a major fundamental aspect unfortunately, of the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party... Right. I I definitely
0: want to get into that with you. But first, is it a bit uh, surreal for you, as someone who used to put handcuffs on KGB agents, uh, that now uh, we have that ideology
4: embedded right within the FBI itself? it's, It's absolutely frightening. Because the FBI held up that argument. The FBI was there for us. And uh, I don't think any of us thought this would ever happen. I I really don't think we foresaw this coming. And uh, this is why America has so many problems today. Uh, A friend of mine, uh, another FBI agent, a colleague, a former partner in uh, New York, uh, put it this way to me. He said, Terry, look, uh, if the FBI collapses, the country will not be far behind. And I think that's where we are. The FBI is collapsing, and, and maybe some would argue, I'd probably argue, it's it's already collapsed. The FBI that we know today, again, only in initials only, this is not the FBI that, that we were brought up with, uh, has lied well, to us. there's all these
0: whistleblowers coming forward. Uh, that's probably a sign of that collapse. Let's take a look at this clip
12: of Jim Jordan talking about it. Congressman, we really appreciate your coming on and telling us about this thank you Um, you bet so how do you assess what the whistleblower has told you
5: well, we think he's, we think he's being straightforward. We think he's as honest. We think he's a brave guy for coming forward. And I think the way I view it in my mind is Tucker, they're juicing the numbers and they're cooking the books. And they are so focused on this, they're willing to pull agents from child trafficking cases to foster this narrative that you talked about that Joe Biden in front of Independence Hall with the red background, clinched fist, talking about half the country being extremists. So remember, we've had previous whistleblowers who came to us and said that they were being pressured to lay cases as domestic violent extremism. This whistleblower came forward and talked to us about how they're cooking the books, making the numbers, seem that there are cases all over the country when in fact they're all related to January 6th. And now what's happened today, we learned that this newest whistleblower is has been suspended from his job. So there's retaliation going against this guy for coming forward and telling us what's going
12: on. So the administration is doing this because there's really no one to push back. I mean, corporate America is completely on their side. The entertainment business, the media and, of course, the entire Congress. If Democrats think they're going to win both houses, keep both houses, they just announced today we're going to keep both houses. Yeah, if that were to happen, well, I hope it doesn't, of course. But if it were to happen, yeah, it feels like they would double down and start putting a lot of people in jail. No, and
5: you—that's what—that's why this election in 50 days, Tucker, is so darn important. The way you send the message is put Republicans in charge, and then what we have to do is get tough. We got to be committed to getting the truth to the American people. We got to be committed to any and every every remedy we can come up. Nothing should be off the table when it comes to reining in a political Justice Department, which everyone knows is now the case. I mean, think about the last six weeks. Joe Biden raided the home of a former president, took the phone of a sitting member of Congress, the Inspector General at the Justice Department assisted in imaging the phone. He's supposed to be the independent oversight of the Justice Department. And oh, by the way, he also signed legislation which is going to unleash 87,000 IRS agents to come harass we the taxpayer. That happened in six weeks, for goodness sake. So yeah, this election is critical when it comes to America's freedoms, liberties and the Bill of Rights.
12: I think you're right. I'm not a you know, huge booster of the Republican Party or anything, but I'm certainly rooting for them this time. That's for sure. I think this is so when you put it that way, this is really scary, and I appreciate coming on uh, tonight, Congressman Jim Jordan of Ohio. Thank you. Thank you, Tucker.
0: So Jim Jordan really put it out there that we've got whistleblowers; they're they're telling a different story about the leadership, and also just how much there's a politi- politicization from the Democrats. And I know that's what your your book is about. So can you tell us what? does it mean to you when we've got all these whistleblowers, what kind of indicator is that to you? And tell me about the connection with the DNC.
4: Well, it is important. It shows FBI agents, current FBI agents are starting to decide we have to speak up, but let's unpack a little bit of what he said. So it all kind of makes uh, a little bit more sense to people maybe. uh, and, And the FBI's role in this, first of all, going back to Biden's inaugural address, Remember, he made two points. He uh, reiterated everything that had happened uh, at the Capitol on January 6th, called it the insurrection, the attempt to overthrow the government. And then he coupled that with the grave threat to America posed by white supremacy. Now, what did the FBI do in the ensuing uh, weeks and months? The FBI essentially retooled, even uh, retooled more than its initial transformation over the previous decade, its counterterrorism division to put teeth in the idea that white supremacy is, in fact, a major threat to America. So what uh, Representative Jordan is talking about is this, the FBI in its Washington field office in DC, in the shadow of FBI headquarters in the Department of Justice, the counterterrorism squads went out to all of the FBI's 56 field divisions. And they said this. They said, you go out and you take information provided by places like Facebook of people, private citizens with their messages, uh, which are conservative and, and have certain, uh, content. And you open cases on them around the country. However, We don't want you to work those cases. We want you just to open them. We will work them here in Washington, D.C. in connection with the January 6th insurrection. Now, Representative Jordan mentioned cooking the books. Here's how that happens. Washington field office will eventually report to FBI headquarters across the country. All of our FBI field divisions have open cases on white supremacists. And therefore, Biden, the Democrats, the DOJ, they're all right on on this because we have now proven it. And therein lies the word fraud. This is a fraud. And why Why do we know that? Why am I so confident in being able to tell you that? Because what he just outlined and what I just outlined for you, Sean, this is not the way the FBI works cases. This is a, um, uh, a total and complete violation of the FBI's own guidelines. FBI field divisions work cases, and they work cases independently and report the results back to FBI headquarters. And this is a complete violation of that. But they do that so that they can control the results and control the message. Here's where it becomes important as far as the previous transformation of the excuse me, of the FBI to a, uh, to a national intelligence agency. This information goes to FBI headquarters. Now these intelligence people, and there are literally hundreds, uh, there are more than a thousand, I'm sure, they take this information and then they create these intelligence reports. What do those intelligence reports say? They say the major threat to America is white supremacy. This is a lie. White supremacy is not, I I want people to understand this, is not, has never been the major domestic within the country threat to the United States of America. It is not a threat to the constitutional republic. And in fact, we don't have time. We could get into a major discussion on the fact that the, the January six committee and the January six investigation and the way the January six incidents have been presented to the American public now for two years is an absolute fraud itself. It is entirely misleading, but going back to the book and to the democratic party, to communism, this is what communism is about. It's about sowing confusion. It's so authoritarian. It's so
0: top-down. You don't let the field offices do the cases themselves. You have the, the orders that come down uh, from the very top. So it is the leadership. How do you think this is affecting uh, regular agents uh, on the human level?
4: Well, I think this is a how that's that's a really significant point. So let's go to the idea of whistleblowers. Um, you know, none of us in the FBI really liked that word a lot. You know, in fact, we didn't like it at all. You're sitting there and the whole basis of what you do is, as we've talked about before is trust, not just trust with the public, but trust with the person sitting next to you. Uh, the TV shows are not far off, especially in my career. I mean, I always like working with a partner because you can, you know, two heads are always better than one and you always have somebody else to go out with you and do interviews and, and get things going. Somebody may not like you, but they may like your partner and that's how you get things done. Right. So you want to be able to trust people. You want to be able to have a great feeling uh, every time you get in that car and you go to work and, and you're out during the day and you're dealing with terrible, stressful things. But if you have a great partner and you have great relationships with the people who work with you then uh, all of this uh, can kind of go away, and and it makes it a lot easier to do the job. That's what's affected when you start working on and dealing with the morale and the low morale that comes from what is going on right now. The division within the FBI is going to be the same kind of division that is reflected today in our society. And unfortunately for Americans— this is not just in the FBI. The FBI is kind of out there on the on the front lines and so we're seeing it and we're we're affected by in a negative way what it's doing. But every government agency since Joe Biden took office, since the early days, is now wrapped up in diversity, inclusion, equity, supremacy and racism. This is what they are in fact uh, obsessed with, and if you look back to the early days, and I, I know this because I've I've uh, I've seen the quotes, I, I've gone and dug out the information. If you go back to the early days of Lloyd Austin and and Millie in the Defense Department, in those early days, they they were showing films uh, to encourage people to step up and talk about white supremacy. And identify those extremists in the military that had these kind of attitudes. I mean, this is this is appalling. Think about what it will do to military readiness as this continues.
0: Well, that's for sure. And it's like creating a non-issue, trying to make it like it's the biggest threat to our national security when white supremacy hasn't been a problem in the U.S. since the Democrats were trying to start a civil war and keep the slaves in chains. Uh, So we're going to take a really quick break. When we come back, I want to ask you about what we can do to get the FBI back on track. And I want to get your insight on the the raid on Mar-a-Lago as well. We'll just take a break. We'll be right back.
3: Hydrogen is used by health professionals as a powerful antioxidant and the number one tool to fight inflammation. Studies show therapeutic potential in cancer, diabetes, digestive and heart issues and essentially every organ and system in the body. This is not medical advice because I'm not your doctor. But if you have any health concerns, I strongly recommend that you learn more about hydrogen. Get educated at holyhydrogen.com and order the best hydrogen generator known to man. Because hydrogen is the smallest molecule in existence, it can pass through the cell membrane and even the blood-brain barrier to clear out inflammation and free radical damage where other antioxidants just can't get to. Visit holyhydrogen.com to see the latest technology that elevates your immune system and fights inflammation. Search their research library to see if hydrogen has a track record for helping a health concern you're dealing with. Make sure to use your special American Media Periscope code, AMP, for $100 off your order. Holyhydrogen.com.
0: Well, Terry Turchie was the Deputy Assistant Director of the FBI's Counterterrorism Division. Terry, when you saw that the FBI raided former President Trump's estate, um, were you so jaded at that point that you thought it was par for the course, or were you just absolutely shocked, uh, n- nonetheless, despite the direction the FBI was going in?
4: I was absolutely shocked. I was devastated. I think it is part and parcel of a particular message they need to have get out. And I, I want to remind people, and and Sean, you probably remember this, but in just uh, the weeks before that raid, there was a lot of pressure building up in Washington. You saw it in articles in The Times and, and The Post and things like that. A lot of quotes from uh, Democratic Party politicians. They were getting very, very impatient with uh, Merrick Garland. They were very upset that he was not being aggressive enough to support the January 6th committee. What did we end up seeing? All of a sudden we wake up and we have a raid at Mar-a-Lago. These are connected. There's there's no question in my mind these are connected. Uh, Garland did what he has to do and what he was put in the Department of Justice to do. This is the most politicized Department of Justice probably in the history of the United States. And, uh, you know, the, the real sad part is we know what we know, but uh, there's a lot of things we're not seeing, and they're frightening. There's a there's a there's the third person in command at the DOJ uh, that Garland appointed, proudly appointed, and Biden was very proud of, is an individual named Vanita Gupta. Uh, she in the past has said this, and I, I know this is going to be shocking in and of itself. She has said the rule of law, the term, the rule of law, it's nothing more than the umbrella to allow the uh, achievement of white supremacy and, uh, and continued racism. That's, that's the third in command in DOJ. Are we surprised that we have now, uh, instead of uh, negotiations and attempts to get back, and again, I, I don't take as seriously as many people the fact that he had the documents. He sh- I don't think he should have taken them, but that's not the point. There's a lot of ways that this could have been handled. And there is a lot of precedent on how former presidents have been handled or or these kinds of things have been handled with respect to former presidents. But they didn't choose to do that. They have chosen to take the, the chance to plunge the country even into deeper division. And that's what my problem is with this. When on the other hand, is there any discussion? Of the real insurrection going on in America today? Is there any discussion of what happened in the summer of 2020? And all that was going on to burn down cities and the, the consequences today of those activities, as well as the rampant crime in dozens of American cities, mostly run by the Democratic Party. So this is a real problem. The problem and the national security urgency does not lie in those documents that were in in the right format and and very clearly marked as classified documents. There was no attempt to hide anything there. There was no destruction. There was no bleach, as Hillary Clinton liked to talk about, you know, when she uh, was involved in destroying her own uh, documents on her computer. There was none of that. He, he had boxed up and he, he may not even have known everything in those boxes. So all of that will be litigated and everything. But it's, it's plunging the country unnecessarily into this um, uh, kind of circle the drain type mentality where we just keep we keep losing because we're now fighting uh, behind the gates within our own country. Yeah, uh, this, you know, there are set- enemies from within, and, and it,
0: they have an ideology. And what you pointed out with Millie and Austin and Gupta is this radical uh, kind of Marxist ideology. So, the, of course, there's no discussion of the 2020 riots because that is those are Marxist, Black Lives Matters, and Antifa movements. They want that type of societal conflict. That's that's the whole goal. So, and uh, that's what your book about. So, it's it's no surprise to you, but uh, maybe you can tell us what are some steps that can be taken to get the FBI back on track and to combat that type of Marxist ideology within the FBI.
4: Absolutely. First of all, I think Christopher Ray needs to step aside. He needs to resign. Uh, he is he's been a disaster. Number two, that that entire transformation where the FBI was transformed into an intelligence organization. Uh, thousands of people were hired to, in effect, implement that. They all need to be cut out of the FBI. It doesn't matter to me if they where they go, but they, they need to go somewhere else in the intelligence community. But they need to leave the FBI. the The FBI needs to get back to criminal investigations counterintelligence investigations specifically uh, s- structured around very, very stringent guidelines, counterterrorism operational investigations structured around and in conformance with the FBI's own guidelines. And um, the, the FBI must never, ever have another director that comes from the Department of Justice. I want to remind people that for 21 years now, the FBI has had directors, Mueller, Comey, and Ray. Who came from the Department of Justice? Essentially, uh, Comey and Ray may have had a step in between uh, their service in DOJ and, and and coming into the FBI, but it doesn't matter. They have a particular philosophy. The the press people, the media people inside the FBI used to be FBI agents. Now they are being replaced by DOJ people. That needs to stop, and those people need to leave. And DOJ needs hands off against the FBI. Now, I think that the the biggest and maybe most controversial suggestion I would make is. The FBI needs to have independence from DOJ and answer directly to a single committee in Congress that should be established for that, that special purpose. And the people on there need to have uh, – we need to have every certainty that none of these people – and I'm, I'm mostly talking right now at Democrats, but they cannot have a past – Where they have been involved in the radical left movement, because quite frankly, and again, it's a topic for another time, there are far too many Democratic Party officials that have major ties to the radicals of the past. And that's how this this ideology has now been transformed and, and then transferred into the U.S. government. And we have to get behind, behind those kinds of principles and clean the FBI up and restore the FBI to being able to have a politically uh, neutral voice and, and go in whatever direction the facts take it, not in the direction that Joe Biden or, or some Republican president in the future, or anyone wants to take it. They need to be able to speak the facts. Let me give you one quick example of where that was important. If you recall the anthrax attacks, on the east coast in the wake of 9-11 everyone and, and, and i know you remember this everyone was was uh coming apart at the seams and freaking out uh saddam hussein has attacked us now with the anthrax well the fbi in that day was the lone voice i know this for a fact was the lone voice that walked over to doj in one of those meetings in front of all those other people and said one we have no evidence that this was uh, a result of Saddam Hussein. And secondly, in fact, we think this is what we saw through the 90s. This is a lone domestic terrorist. And I think that says it all. That stopped us, at least at that point in time, in marshalling the army and navy and air force and marines and invading iraq now they still found an excuse but at least on that day at that time the fbi was the lone voice because it was that fbi that stood up to uh to everyone else they had said, some you
0: know. independence from the doj from the other agencies and what i heard you describe is that basically there needs to be more checks and balances there needs to be more oversight and uh it seems like they've gone rogue and people, a lot of people are just calling for the end of the FBI. Do you think that's even possible for us to function without this agency?
4: Well, obviously I would be considered probably prejudiced, but I think the FBI, uh, proved for decades that it had the best interest of America at heart, I think it could do it again. And I think the vast majority of FBI employees, certainly the ones that I would like to see there and see the FBI back, you know, backed up, backed up from what has happened to it. I think those people uh, are the people we need to count on like these whistleblowers. And I'd like to see the FBI uh, repaired and, uh, and move on that has happened in the past as well. Like I said, back in the twenties, um, We cannot face the world that we live in without an agency like this, but it has to be an agency under control. And as you said, it certainly cannot be rogue and it cannot go out and couple itself with one political party or another.
0: Well, you know, back in the 50s, we had McCarthyism where, you know, we were making blacklists and accusing everybody of being communists. And we did have infiltration in different institutions. And nowadays we're waking up and saying, hey, we have the same problem again. Uh, so you suggested we do need to vet people, make sure we don't have radicals within the ranks. How can we do that
4: without going overboard? That's that's the, the key issue, and of course, that's also the key um, problem that most people who worry about the FBI are concerned with. First of all, on, on the topic of communism, I just want to say this. In in the book, in their own words, I'm very careful to talk about the people who are adherents to communist ideology. And I say that because, the, the in my opinion, and I, I try to demonstrate this in this book— The main document now, if you look at the Democratic Party platform of 2016, 2020, and you compare it to the 1970s Weather Underground uh, uh, Prairie Fire Manifesto, everything going on in the country today and and the the solutions, they're the same. This is why I'm saying the communist ideology is now the enemy within, as you said, Uh, So how can we go in one direction and protect ourselves and yet not go overboard? Well, that's how that's where you get into the specific facts of specific cases. If you are going to go forward and open a case on somebody in, in particular, then you have to have specific reasons to tie them into into treason or into something that they're trying to do. Uh, but it becomes much harder when it is a, a total political party that kind of espouses and then tries to legislate uh, kind of this authoritarian type of aims. That becomes a real problem. And so, uh, you know, we tried to prevent it years ago. Well, we obviously are. We, we haven't prevented it now. So this is why we're kind of working from behind. And so I think we have to be aware of all the pitfalls of, of talking like this. I, I think I've, I've tried to be very careful not to call people communist, and I try to stay with facts. And and we always should do that, just like we shouldn't call a conservative white supremacist. You can't have this both ways. You can't be a, a radical left-wing activist uh, and then be called, uh, hey, this guy's going to run for Congress and we we uh, fully support him. But over here, if you're a conservative activist, oh my golly, you're, you're dangerous. You're a threat to democracy. We, we can't have that. That's not going to work. And so I think the biggest defense is to, to be able to talk about things without the the uh, kind of the hold over your neck of political correctness. You need to be able to call things like they are. So for example, uh, if somebody believes the election was stolen, fine, that's what they believe. Is that disinformation? Well, I don't know. We we don't have any facts and we have certainly not pursued any of this in a in a real specific investigative or legal manner to where people have any right to say that somebody who is a, quote, person who doesn't believe in a in the election results is an election denier. We have no right to say that. So you can't you can't step on free speech and then turn around and say we believe in democracy. You know, it it goes in both directions, and the FBI needs to right. park it. To it is
0: very ironic that. when they say that if you don't hold the view of the majority, you're an extremist. <laughs> when uh, the point of democracy is to have the rights of the minority, but nevertheless, uh, I want to. We're running out of time. Can you tell people where they can find your
4: book? Yes, just about anywhere. They can go on Barnes and Noble's site. They can go on Amazon. Uh, they can go just about anywhere. Walmart. I mean, the book is pretty much out there everywhere. Uh, it has gotten great reviews, and, uh, and, and for me, uh, the proudest part of it, it's, very, it's been very supported by uh, former and current agents, and uh, there's a lot of um, notes in this book from, from former agents as well. and uh, So I encourage people to read it. Don't take my word on things like this. Never do that. Just read it, and I think you walk away. My, my biggest great feeling about the book is nobody's ever challenged the premise, which actually might be a bit scary. Uh, but the premise is, is hard to challenge. it's hard to challenge it, it's a
0: very it's a very strong premise to say that uh, we've got communists within our ranks here uh, and no one's arguing it because it seems to be right out in the open at this point thank you for joining us today Terry Tershi, uh, former special agent for the FBI getting an insider's look thank you for watching americanmediaperiscope.com we are america's patriot only network follow me on truth social at Sean morgan report Get my breaking news updates at seanmorganreport.com. I'm going to leave you with a moment of levity. God bless all you patriots. Good night
3: and good luck. California Governor Gavin Newsom has announced that all cars sold in California must be electric by 2035. In completely unrelated news, California officials called on all residents to stop charging electric cars due to an insufficient power grid. That's worse timing than having a fancy dinner at the French Laundry in the middle of a lockdown that you mandated. Across the state, people are scrambling to charge the electric cars they now have, some using gas-powered generators and some using the power of imagination. Here are some renders of what scientists think California will look like by 2035.